The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Dynamic Healing with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal. Just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain. Welcome to Dynamic Healing Podcast. I'm Les Aria. And I'm David Hanscom. And we're excited to talk to you today. And the topic today is chronic stress hijacks healing, but avoiding stress is worse. And Dr. Ari and I are both really experienced in stress. I can tell you it's pretty stressful becoming a spine surgeon. Probably why I probably wasn't the best personality for it. So it's ridiculously stressful. Today we're going to talk about stress and what it does to your body. Yeah, absolutely. And so we want to really recognize that today's discussion is going to be on chronic stress and how it impacts your body and really inhibits the healing process. But it's not the stress. It's the body's reaction to the stress. So here's a quote for the day is, and most of you have heard the serenity prayer, is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. This is Reinhold Niebuhr. That's, um, that's a really powerful, just looking at that is it lets us know that we need to basically recognize what's showing up and how to deal with it. So David, let me add, let's start us off with some basic stuff because I love how you explain stress. Uh, I've been listening to David for for a while, and we 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 complicate the definition of stress, and there's no agreed upon definition of stress. So, David, I'm going to uh, have you start us off on the definition of stress, and then how do you even um, how even stress um, if that's the right word that prevents our healing process. So, David, start us off on what, what how do you define stress? Well, it's an interesting question because since I've started to work with you and Dr. Stephen Porges on the autonomic nervous system, my concept has completely changed. But almost invariably, when I ask people, is it how do you define stress? Most people think that stress is a psychological construct. There's some type of psychological thing that I'm agitated, I'm frustrated, there's some psychology involved, but it's, it's physiological. And when I say physiological, it just means how does your body function? So for every living creature, staying alive is stressful. The whole organism has to respond to the environment in a way to stay alive. So stress is really 
Stress is the environment or the factors that threaten your survival, either, either mentally, emotionally, or physically. Mm -hmm. Then your body's response to stress, and that's the problem, is your body's response to trying to stay alive. So we call that threat physiology, which is adrenaline, cortisol, inflammation, increased fuel consumption that we call metabolism, your neurotransmitters change the excitatory. So your whole body is fired up, which is necessary for survival. That's always the first thing the body has to do, but it has to rest and regenerate in order to fight another day. So to me, stress is input, is the environment. Then you have your body's physiological response. And it's really key because if you just use the word stress, that doesn't really mean much. The, I mean, the word by itself actually doesn't mean much. Right. I think that's, that's you're right about that. You just broke it down to the real essence of it. So then let's let's get into this. Um, I've asked you this, and David has always shared these. Uh, I use David as a great um, example because, uh, you know, when he is expressing another podcast, but how his just body was breaking down, but he wasn't recognizing it. And, um, you know, we could even look at it the, the way, David, just in, from your experience, and I use you as the example because you were really hitting towards this wall and you start to develop some symptoms. And this is the key part I wanted to emphasize to folks. Sometimes we may not realize that we're in the stress mode. To some degree we do, but we really don't quite realize how it's impacting um, our bodies and not just our bodies, but also our mental state. So David, just, uh, just for the audience, what are some of the symptoms that you, as you, now that you've come out of it and really can see it differently, how did you know your body was being dysregulated? Well, I didn't, I just thought this was life. And so what happened <clears throat> with me is that, um, again, I thought stress is psychological and my personal badge of honor was I can take on an infinite amount of stress. And, right. bring it on. and the amount of stress I could take on was unbelievable. And so my attitude was bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. Ever since I was a kid. So, you know, study super hard. I took 18 hours of college classwork. I worked 20 hours of construction a week. I played sports. I did social things. I mean, my I was out of my mind. What I didn't do, by the way, was sleep. And so I could just go and go and go and go. And so what was happening is my body was fired up. I was full of all these inflammatory metabolic chemicals. And so my ears started to ring. My feet started to burn. These skin rashes popped up. I had migraine headaches since I was five years old. Then I started to develop extreme anxiety, depression, all sorts of stuff. But I just didn't recognize it as what it was. And what happens is that I was a master at suppressing stress. Again, I want to break it, break it down. Stress is the input or the environment. And my body's physiology or was threat. Remember the dynamic healing model is when your circumstances or threats overwhelm your coping skills, you go into fight or flight. So I was in fight or flight all the time, but I didn't know it because that was my norm. That's all I knew is fight or flight. So again, for this talk, I'm going to put stress as the input and the threat physiology is the output. And my threat physiology manifested as 17 different mental and physical symptoms. Yeah, you, you know, it's so funny you mentioned that. I'm, I'm gonna jump on this one just a little bit to share, throw in a couple of mine, add yours and see if anyone else uh, can actually identify this. So beyond my David and myself here, uh, check out this, you know, um, they've done lots of studies and a great um, resource that most people can find out is the American 
uh, Institute of the American Institute of Stress. Now, I'm going to read out for a couple, David, um, and then we can smile and kind of nod our heads to this. Audience members, I'm just going to read off a couple of symptoms and see these are, uh, there are about 50 common signs and symptoms. I'm not going to read all 50. I'm just going to read a handful of them and sit back and see if this hits you just as much as it does with us. Frequent headaches, jaw clenching, pain in general, body pain, uh, stuttering, stammering, tremors, neck ache, back ache, muscle spasms, dizziness, lightheadedness, ringing in the ear, as David just talked about, uh, constantly feeling cold, cold, frequent colds, infections, herpes sores, rashes, itches, goosebumps, unexplained frequent allergy attacks, heartburn, stomach, and a couple more here, diarrhea, loss of control of uh, you know, your bowels in that sense, difficulty breathing, frequent sighing, <sighs> that constant thing when you're with someone, Sudden attacks, uh, sudden panic attacks, chest pains, frequent urination. And this is the one David has spoken about very willingly. And thanks, David, for sharing that uh, is obsessive compulsive behaviors, overreacting to petty annoyances, nervous habits, you know, fidgeting, tapping the feet, biting, just random crying spells, rapid uh, mumble speech. And I'm just going to read one, one last one, excessive gambling impulsive um, buying, and chronic critical, uh, critical um, criticization of others, so criticizing others. That's quite a lot, David. That's just only a handful of signs and symptoms of a dysregulated nervous system. And I'm depressed. You just had four more on the list. I used to stutter in eighth, ninth, and tenth grade. I stuttered badly. I didn't realize I was one of them. So I used to stutter. And, I, and then the world knows I had a full-blown obsessive compulsive disorder. But the, I want the world to think about this. For some reason, we I don't use the word mind-body anymore because mm -hmm. it's just a unit and you're not going to fly an airplane without a computer. You are not going to run your body without a brain. So your brain has to interpret signals then dictate behavior that allows you to survive. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a constant sense of danger or threat, your whole body fires up. That's not imaginary. And the brain itself is a physiological structure. You have 80 billion nerve cells. That's only half the brain. The other half of the brain is called glial cells or the supporting cells. And the glial cells themselves throw up inflammatory cytokines or inflammatory proteins. So your brain's fired up. So you just picture a beehive of 80 billion honeybees vying for attention. Mm. Your brain's incredibly adaptable. It's incredibly neuroplastic is adapting by the millisecond to its environment, dictating signals is how we learn. Right. And it's an incredibly physiological structure. So there's no separation of the mind and body. So I don't use that term anymore. It's basically yeah. just a unit. So I now, I now call it a unit response. I'm looking for a better term. But the bottom line is all these symptoms you're dictating. Okay, if you do a, I'm gonna rant for a second. In medicine, if you run a series of tests, there's quote, nothing wrong. That's not true. Your body chemistry is off. Your acid base balance is off. Your sodium might be off. Your, gotcha. your sugars might be off. Those are things that are wrong. So just they don't show up on an imaging test doesn't mean there's not something wrong. So you've heard me use the term medically unexplained symptoms is a disaster. That means you're suffering, but we don't know the reason why. It's actually medically explained symptoms based on the body's chemical makeup completely yep. explained every symptom you described is based on the body being in fight or flight 
David, could you um, could you tell the audience you um, there was a, a guest um, in one of your articles uh, that was you basically spoke about this. Um, I forget her name uh, that um, wrote an article on that as a guest blogger. Um, if you can put that with, for our viewers, uh, our listeners, I mean, to be able to get that link of your um, blog that speaks to basically the um, the autonomic nervous system. Yeah, Dr. Jennifer Franklin just wrote a blog on psychology today, and I think we can put the link up. She really just described in nice clarity the role that was called the autonomic nervous system. And remember your stomach and bladder and bowel and lungs and breathing don't just happen. Yeah. The reason why it's called the autonomic nervous system because it's all automatic. Your body automatically reacts to everything. But remember, my cat does too. Your dog reacts to the environment through the autonomic nervous system. So we're always adjusting our neurochemical behavior and our motor skills to stay alive. Remember the species of creatures historically millions of years ago that didn't pay attention to the cues didn't survive. So we're a very, very, very finely tuned machine right. program to stay alive. And even the slightest disruption is going to cause a symptom. So a symptom is simply a sign that's saying, okay, I'm super hungry. That means I need food. Again, the species of creatures who didn't pay attention to that just didn't survive. So why, why are you hungry? Who says you're hungry? It's not your stomach, it's your brain. Right. So your autonomic nervous system is mostly feedback into the brain. Only 20% of the autonomic nervous system is output to the stomach, et cetera. So the vagus nerve goes to every internal organ in the body, including the immune system. So yeah, we're finely tuned to stay alive. So the thing is about... We're going to talk about it again. I'll say this again because it's so key. People have it so ingrained that stress is some type of psychological construct. And if you're stressed out, I mean, somehow you're inadequate. So right. the only tool I was taught, and I think you were taught, is just, you know, what's the word? Um, you should be seen and not heard. Yeah. I remember that saying a lot. And the idea is just tough it out. Put your yeah. head down. Don't complain. Yeah. This is how you deal with stress. So I will tell you that I probably have three or four times the stress on my plate the last 10 years than I had when I broke. So I want to talk about a couple of researchers really quickly then go into your concept, which I really want to spend a large part of this today on what you call psychological flexibility. Right. And so we'll call it physiological flexibility. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's how you process the stress. So my stress processing skills, again, my threat processing skills have gone up dramatically. And again, stress isn't the problem, it's your body's reaction to it. So I get stressed out, you know, for a few minutes, where before it used to last for days and weeks. Right. And I've learned to regulate my, I've learned to regulate my body's physiology quickly so I don't stay in that mode. What I did before, which was worse, I would suppress it. So I was in that mode for 50 years and I got sick, right? So I was really good at suppressing stress or suppressing threat, but I had all these symptoms which indicated my body's physiology was way off. So I want to talk yeah. about Dr. Robert Navio out of San Diego, who I won't go into a lot of detail, but he's one of the most brilliant researchers on this planet. He's looked at the cell at the level is called the mitochondria and every single cell has a little engine in it, several engines in it called mitochondria. And they generate a chemical reaction that generates the fuel supply for the cell. So again, the mitochondria are little engines 
that take this chemical reaction, it's like gasoline in your car, you turn it into a vapor and you explode it, the mitochondria create this chemical reaction that releases energy, so it allows us to live. So you need the mitochondria to live, and under, under chronic threat, I'm sorry, under any type of threat, acute or chronic, why the mitochondria breaks down in three cycles and it rebuilds itself in three cycles. So wow. in order to heal, you have to, the mitochondria break down, becomes inflammatory, then it goes through a cycle of regeneration or rebuilding to complete the cycle. What he pointed out that every chronic disease, every one of them, mental and physical, have the same mitochondrial problem in that you can't complete the healing cycle if you're under constant threat, which could be poverty, could be a bad relationship, could be what we call cognitive distortions, could be how you process stress. So you have to train your body to perceive safety in order to heal because the mitochondria cannot complete the healing cycle under constant threat, can't do it. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. That, that's that's a really nice breakdown. So you're you're saying there is a really there's a very deep or a deeper understanding now from Robert Navio's work, and I think uh, Dr. Navio is at UCSD, uh, University of California, San Diego, and he really does break down. Uh, David, I think you uh, you've heard him say this and uh, read some of his work and heard his presentation. He calls it the hit and run. And I really like how he calls that. What is a hit and run? Many of my patients, much like us, David, we we say like, nope, the stress is over. That was a year ago. That was six months ago. That was 10 years ago. And he talks about the fact that the hit and run is when all this stress, this chronicity of it really finally impacts the physiology or reacts the body's reaction to it. And if you don't have any space within to have it restored, you're going to not allow that healing process. And so he basically talks about the chronic hit and runs throughout our lives. So what David is talking about is it, the, the body, the brain and the body, the one system does not really know the difference between emotional stress and um, or any kind of stress. So, so stress is not just psychological. There's, there's psychology play a role in it? Absolutely. But what we're trying to show you is this is it's a survival mechanism. But Navia's work really highlights the fact that David was explaining that in that chronic physiology of that threat, there is no way someone can heal. So look in your life is what he, what David and I are trying to say. David, anything else to Navia's work? And, and can you speak to uh, uh, Dr. Steve Cole's work also on-, on well, let, me, let me say this again, because it is profound. He just said this on the last lecture because he's changing his thinking also about mm -hmm. threat versus safety. So his, his point was that you cannot, the body cannot differ, differentiate Mental threat versus physical threats, can't do it, has the same response. And of course, as we can't escape our thoughts, we're in a constant threat. And then trust me, every chronic disease, I must say that every chronic disease, physical and mental, has the same 
mitochondrial problem, by the way, wow. which includes long haulers. Powerful. So it's the same thing. It's all the same. As, as our friend Dr. Clausen says, it's all the same suit. So mm -hmm. Dr. Cole at UCLA has spent his life working on what's called the genome or the genetic code. And they've isolated 20 or 30 genes that dictate the expression of what's called monocytes. And monocytes are little white blood cells in the body that destroy bacteria and viruses and other foreign bodies in, the, in foreign objects in the body. And so that's what they're supposed to do. Without monocytes, you can't survive either because bacteria would overwhelm you. But under, but there's also a production of what's called warrior monocytes, which are monocytes that not only kill bacteria and viruses, but they also attack your own tissues. They destroy yourself. Wow. So the two factors that dictate that response is one of them is chronic stress. It's not acute stress. You can deal with acute stress, but that chronic low grade, even low grade stress, that chronic stress actually physically breaks down your body through the, is through the expression of your genetic code, for goodness sakes. So between the mitochondria and the genetic code, you can't have more basic compelling evidence that your things around you do translate into symptoms in your body. The other thing that actually causes this problem is social isolation. Yeah, that's a big one. So anyway, so the bottom line is, and those are just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much data now that shows that your environment dictates your body's chemistry. Yeah. And as Les has pointed out, anxiety, for instance, is a physiological state. So is play. So I just want to touch on the role of what's called average holiday experiences just for a minute. We'll actually talk about this on, an, on another podcast. So we've mentioned this multiple times. Remember with dynamic healing, you have the input or your stresses or circumstances. You have your coping skills or the nervous system. Then you have your body's response or the output or the physiology. So what happens when you have a nervous system that's raised in a chaotic environment, adverse childhood experiences, this is neglect, abuse, parent in prison, um, all these things that basically a chaotic household, which I was raised in that household, you're like a feral cat. You're hyper alert all the time. It takes much less stress right. to set off that physiological response. So going back to the model is that you can change the way you process input, the ways of doing that. Remember, avoiding stress is a huge problem, bigger problem than having stress. You can increase the resilience of your nervous system. As Dr. Navio pointed out, you cannot rebuild a burned down house with the same timbers. You gotta get new timbers and rebuild the house, which is the trauma work. And then the physiology we've talked about on, on another day. So with the average childhood experiences, you're hyper alert, that's your baseline. You don't, you don't know anything different. My body has 17 different symptoms at the same time. And I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So let's quick question on the A scores really, really briefly is that trauma work. What I found out the hard way is that talk therapy, just talking about it doesn't really solve anything, <laughs> but it's a, your trauma work allows people to literally rebuild their nervous system and feel safe. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, that's a it's a very fair fair statement. And to add to your comments on ACE adverse childhood experiences, is to base you said it really nicely. Is and the way I describe it is basically every impact that um, every event that you've experienced, your lived experiences, increases the nervous system, or we can specifically focus on the autonomic nervous system. It's almost like the nervous system gets trained. It's already there to for in the service of our survival. 
But when you have adverse childhood experiences and it continues on to your adulthood, and again, I'm just going to use David as an example, uh, the childhood he came from was very intense and he redirected that energy towards being, you know, excellence in sports and in studies and then became a physician on top of that, a surgeon who becomes a surgeon, sorry, surgeons. Anyhow, they become surgeons because they, they, they're this brilliant people and just driven, right? So this is not to say that teachers and anyone else is not like them, but the pointing out of your experiences that you go through in childhood and also in adulthood increases the sensitivity of an autonomic nervous system, autonomic nervous system to be reactive more and more. They become more and more vigilant until one day you slip and fall, car accident, or insidiously something unlocks in your body, the disease process, and you'd have chronic pain, you have trauma. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's work or anything else, large trauma, small traumas. Ultimately, your nervous, system's become, your nervous system becomes very reactive and sensitized. And this is the part that we really want to emphasize. That stuff has already happened. And the question here is, what can we do about it? And also, David, before we um, talk a little bit more about I'd like to kind of talk about maybe the, the factors that kind of maintain the stress. And this is out of Joshua Smith's work. But I wanted to emphasize, and please hop on, on to this conversation, as we just shift from the ACE to, I wanted to kind of go back and talk about what is the difference between pain and suffering? We heard about Nabio's work, Cole, Steve Cole's work, um, but here in all of this is it's hard for the body to heal when we are constantly reacting to it. And David, I'm just gonna kind of lay it out there and then have you comment on this. There is a big difference uh, between pain and suffering. And pain is basically life, Pain could be the disease that showed up at your doorstep. Pain could be the trauma, could be the chronic pain. It doesn't quite matter. It's the divorce. When something happens, when something happens, we don't have control over it, but it's we how we relate to what happens to us, how we relate to what happens to us. That's the part where we will either dial up the suffering or dial it down. So as David likes to say, it's the way we react to it, right? The way we're dealing with it. Well, also, let's just talk about the word pain. So let's, what we'd like to do today is that we knew this was going to happen. This is a massively large topic. So I'd like to cover those three stress factors that contribute to chronic stress and just some basic principles behind the solutions. But I do think over the next three or four podcasts, we can talk about specific ways on each podcast, how to process stress more effectively. Yep. And so I, I do agree. This is really critical to understand the whole process about how we react to our environment. So I just want to go back to the word pain. I mean, what does pain mean? It just says danger. In people that are born without pain fibers, which is called congenital indifference to pain, they can't survive. They have, they have no way to protect themselves. Right. So if you looked at the sun and it wasn't uncomfortable, okay, is that pain? Actually, yes. So pain just says danger. It's a protective mechanism. We have it every day in a way. You know, you sit, you sit in one spot too long and you're a little bit uncomfortable, so you shift in your chair. So your skin has too much pressure. So to protect your skin, your body shifts. So pain, we're using pain all the time. Every second there's pain potential and we see the limits of that structure, the body just says, just says danger. So pain just says danger. So the suffering um, is really critical because the pain is inevitable. I mean, it's just life. 
Right. As you point out, that suffering is optional. Can you can you clarify that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I have another I have multiple ways of expressing that. Um, when we say suffering is optional, is most of us don't realize that we're adding our mental scripts, or, or as David uh, has said before in different podcasts, is there's uh, cognitive distortions. How, so basically, uh, suffering is what we're resisting that's showing up. So if the pain is showing up in our life, and the way I define pain is it doesn't matter whether it's physical or mental or something unfortunate that happens, so misfortune happens to us. That's basically what I call pain. Um, and David's right. Pain is basically a sign and symptom that, hey, you know what? I'm here to protect you uh, and to let you know what's going on. It's how we relate to that difficult thing your chronic pain, your trauma, your chronic stress in your day, your phase of life, a difficult uh, relationship, a very difficult um, you know, time with finances and your bosses or whomever it is, that's pain. It's basically life showing up. And so, and, it, and when, it, when it shows up in us, it shows up through uh, you know, our biology, our psychology, it shows up uh, through how we interact. But what we're talking about, suffering is optional because we have not learned enough consistently to create a habit to learn to deal with it. So what David calls the stress release response, like learn skills on how to relate differently. So suffering is optional in the sense that you need to pay attention to our mental scripts, what I call the hot sauce, to what is already very, very painful. So let, let me use, a, speaking of hot, let me just use a very, very basic example. Mm-hmm. So pain is a gift. We would not survive without it. So let's say you step on a hot pavement and bare feet. Okay. Right. So you pull your foot right off the pavement and you can be upset that the pavement was hot or you'd be anxious or frustrated. Darn it, this hot pavement. I shouldn't have done that. Um, right. I'll hurt, et cetera. Or you can thank your body right then for protecting you. Your body just protected you from burning your feet. Yeah. So you have a choice right there of being thankful that you're not protected. Right. You're pissed off that you stepped on this hot pavement, right? Beautifully said. That's the suffering option. Um, right. that you know it's optional. It's how we relate to it. It's it's we're reacting to the physiology. So the question is how we have a choice. And you have a by the way, this is for everyone. I looked over David's blog. Uh, David, you have a new blog. Hopefully, please uh, if you could put that in the link also in the sh- in the show notes, um, that you have a blog coming up on how you wish to be. Right with right. the new blog, the you fan- have a choice. Every second, you have a choice of how you want it. Well, you've said this also. If you have an unpleasant moment, how do I wish to show up? Yeah. So, I just want to read your three things about what are the three stress factors that contribute to chronic pain, and it's really key. One is repeated activation, and so chronic pain isn't always constant. It's just that a certain thing sets it off, sets it off, sets it off. So they're called triggers. Right. Or second thing is you don't adapt very well. So let's say somebody um, didn't return a phone call and you get upset. Well, they don't, they're not my friend anymore, or they hate me, this, this, and this, which I do that, by the way, is one of my cognitive distortions. <laughs> so I can either just do some breathing, writing, and move on with my day, or I can hold on to that for days or weeks and, and hold something against my friend. And we, we do this all the time. So again, you have to adapt. Something triggers you. How quickly can you adapt to it? Then the final thing is that some people, failure to return to homeostasis, in other words, failure to return to neutral, well, being raised in a chaotic, abusive environment, I mean, what's homeostasis? What's neutral? You know <laughs> what I mean? There's no neutral. 
There is now, but I want to emphasize to the audience, I'm probably under 300% more stressed now than I was when I broke. I don't, and I have no symptoms. My ears don't ring. I don't have migraines. My feet aren't burning. I don't have skin rashes. I don't have anxiety. I don't have depression. I sleep. So all these symptoms, and I had 17 of these, I guess 18 now that I used to stutter. Thank you, Dr. Arya. <laughs> so, you know, I don't have these symptoms. They're gone. And I had them for 50, actually started with migraines at age five. I had those for over 60 years. My, my ears were ringing for 25 years. They are gone. Why? I, it wasn't mind over matter. But cool. what we're going to talk about in future podcasts is, what less, is called psychological flexibility which surgeons aren't known for being flexible, by the way. <laughs> and, 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 but that's the problem. I mean, as a metaphor for life in general, we have control, control, control. And we'll talk about this when we come to the emotional part and mental part of this about that need for mental control. It's a problem. Yeah. So today we're just going to talk about the principles behind it. And in the future podcast, we're going to start talking about the solutions. So Leslie, I want to just briefly list a couple of solutions that we'll be talking about in the next few podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. And as David already touched on it, um, you know, uh, as, as a psychologist, I, I usually encourage folks that, hey, don't do this on your own. If you do not have the right group of people or partner and or they don't have the, the skill sets, stop fighting with what's showing up and really get with a therapist or a psychologist. Seriously, you know, I have a, a funny saying is take a break before you have a mental break. So, right, Dave, sorry. Would that be a lesson from Dr. Aria? I think I took it from someone, but it really applies well. I have to remind myself when the signs and symptoms in my body shows up, doesn't matter whether I'm grinding my teeth or my, you know, my old um, uh, pain sensations show up as if it was just yesterday. So the solutions here is, again, as David said, we'll talk more into further details uh, about it. And uh, is one, get with a therapist. Two, Learn acceptance and commitment therapy skills. Now, if you want to book on that, as my recommendation, the book is called The Little Act Workbook. The Little Act Workbook by Michael Sinclair. Fantastic book and says, and speaks to the psychological flexibility. And in this time, I just want to briefly mention psychological flexibility is simply this. It's being aware of what's showing up and being able to open up to what showed up, which means your resistance dial is down and your willingness to experience what showed up is higher than your resistance. And then shifting towards what matters the most to you. And to take from David's blog, which I highly recommend everyone reading, you've just got to read it. It's, it's fabulous. Um, you know, four thumbs up. How about that? Um, just absolutely great. And it speaks to the third part of the psychological flexibility, being aware, opening up, and just allowing the process to be there, being willing to experience what's showing up, not fighting it, right? So there are different ways to do that. And then kind of asking yourself, how do I wish to be towards myself during this difficult or stressful moment and towards myself and others? Let's call it value-based choices. So we'll talk more about that, but take a look at psychological flexibility. And David's has spoken, um, you know, endlessly about this and myself too, is you need to have a daily restoration plan. I call it not rest and digest. I call it rest and restore. You need to restore when you've been feeling overwhelmed. It's okay to take a break from everything. Shut all digital stimulation down. 
start all just go rest. And sometimes just lying down, shutting down and putting a rag over your head just to, whether it's warm or cool, whatever works for you. And just sink into your breath, trying to have a daily breath work, just breathing in and out, just taking three to 10 minutes to do this. Meditation, multiple, multiple meditation options there. For I like to use Insight Timer. Insight, like having insight. Insight Timer app. Great meditations for stress and multiple things, including pain and trauma. And then David and I also talk about, it's you've got to move your body, folks. Movement, mobilize, because movement helps restore the nervous system. We're not asking to run a marathon. Get your body moving, swinging. And I like to do, David, I haven't showed you this, but I like to basically bounce and just shake as if, you know, my whole body's shaking to music. And uh, you'd think of having a, a convulsion there, but it's just a great way to just release stress, just to kind of get some movement. Play and connecting with fun and safe people. And it's not a distracting process. You're changing. I mean, play is a physiological state. So if you're yeah. tense and anxious, your body's full of stress chemicals. If you're at play, you're full of oxytocin and dopamine and just great chemicals. So now we're going to demonstrate psychological flexibility in action. So we're going to do a little jousting here for the last word. So I'm going to get the last word today. <laughs> I knew that was coming, David. I knew that was coming. <laughs> So, but I want to, I want to modify a couple of things. So I want to, you know, we, we tend to recommend other people's processes. So we don't really care who you work with as far as, as long as that you connect with it and it's good. But I will say Dr. Aria has a wonderful program called Menda. It's a combination of a course and they do group coaching and it really is a remarkable course. So what is, how do you access that less is Menda? Yeah. So if you go to www dot menda m-e-n-d-a dot health h-e-a-l-t-h it's good stuff i and so less and i end up having people go back and forth between our systems some people relate to less more some people relate to me more mm-hmm. yep. or both some people use both and so um i have what's called the doc journey as just stands for direct your own care journey and again it's a sequence you can't just go from pain to play in one jump so that's what right. less and i both do is we recognize there's a sequence you have to go through to get to health. We also released a new app last week called the DOC Journey. It's on the App Store, um, either Google or Apple. And again, this is a very entertaining app. By the way, my wife kicked me off that project. I, I spent a year on it. She looks at this and goes, that's not an app. <laughs> I, don't do, I don't do apps. So it's a very creative app with music, dancing, educational, that I think you'll like it. But I do want to say one of the things that's really critical when it comes to a therapist. So I went to psychotherapy for 13 solid years. Talk therapy doesn't work. You're using rational means to deal with these irrational circuits. So what I've learned with Dr. Arya's work and people like him says you have to learn how to feel safe. It's a learned skill. It doesn't happen with talk therapy because your unconscious brain is so much more powerful than the conscious brain. So it makes sure you get a therapist that's correct. And I'm asking you to take a list, how do you find that type of therapist? But Dr. Alan Abbas is a psychiatrist out of Halifax that gave us a Canada, who gave us a talk last week. And this is what's so sad to me, for me included, is that 65% of people that are referred to psychiatrists have no capacity to engage. In other words, their trauma is so bad, so severe as a child that it doesn't matter what you do. They don't know how to feel safe. You can't engage unless you have some sense of safety. So what 
what was so inspiring about Dr. Alan Abbas's talk was his capacity right there in front of us to take these patients with ridiculous trauma, just the unspeakable trauma, and five to 10 sessions just sort of bring them down, bring them down. Then once your brain starts to function, then you can come back online. And I know Dr. Arya does this also. And so quick final question here, Les, I will give you the last word, is that um, you use your own techniques with the Safe and Sound Protocol, yeah. your interoffice biofeedback. Um, and I used to be critical, well, people don't want to give up their pain. That's not true. They can't. You yeah. don't, I mean, I, I finally get, I, I get it. And Dr. Abbas's talk really brought it home is that first of all, it's really discouraging me that there's so much extreme trauma in the human experience. I mean, come on. So second of all, I get it. The damage can be so severe that you really are a feral cat that doesn't trust anybody at all. So I'd like to just to finish off with that, Dr. Arya, and go talk about other parts of this in other podcasts. But when you talk about trauma therapy, it is a very specific type of therapy, correct? It really is. It's it's very unique. And uh, I think the audience members who have experienced uh, chronic pain and trauma, it's and um, it, it shares the same neural pathways, as I like to say, same pantry, different shelves. And um, it, talk therapy, when David um, is emphasizing that, he's saying is there needs to be a lot of things addressed is how do you deal with sensations that show up in your body to be able to attend and befriend them? And that's really important to be able to do that. So we're not saying that, you know, talk is not good. We're saying is it does not promote the healing process. Don't you think that instead of, um, I'm just thinking out loud here, but I mean, honestly, feeling safe means your physiology. So it's not really psychiatry, it's really physiology. It should be, we should change the treatment to physiologist. Yeah, I think it should be. And, and if we did change the, even just that word, or even we used, um, you know, physiological psychology or something like that, it emphasizes that when you have chronic pain and trauma, it's good to have someone you can talk with and, and to learn skills and to take from David's um, definition here, stress releasing skills. You really do know how to deal with what shows up in your body. Now, the head, people talk like, constantly talking about changing your thinking. It's okay to do that. But when it comes to really trauma and chronic pain, it needs you are to learn to acquire skills to be able to feel safe when something difficult shows up. And this is the key word David and I use is how do we relate? How do you wish to be towards yourself, that sensation? And if you can learn to be friends with it, and I know that's a very difficult thing and might react to People might find some strong reactions to it. It's about not fighting what's showing up, but actually saying as thank you for showing up. So the word that I use from, um, from Alan and Bass's work and your work is this is your body is trying to go through an adaptive survival mechanism. It's adaptive. I do want to clarify one point because I'm not negative on psychology or psychiatry at all, but let me just be really clear. So I was in psychotherapy for 13 years. And the problem is I think traditional psychiatry and psychology does that if you just understand the past well enough, in other words, you just really understand it, that somehow going to solve the problem. And so I know everything about my past. I know every millimeter of my past, it made it worse. And so again, when you combine it with the skills to feel safe, that's a different ball game. Because I just thought if I just knew enough about my past, somehow it would solve it. And that's where the trap comes in with traditional approaches compared to what's called somatic psychotherapy, or maybe we come up with a different term. So Dr. Arya, thank you. 
Um, I'm going to take the last word and read the summary. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. Hanscom. Please do. So, yeah. So basically, stress is not bad. In fact, stress is necessary because it's life. It's the chronic stress physiology that starts to break the body down. It is the chronicity of stress that breaks it down, including psychological struggles, and it leads to disease and maintains pain. And chronic pain is, again, a disease process. But again, every chronic disease, mental and physical, has the same cellular basis. It's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. So thank you for spending time with us. We appreciate you listening to us. And Dr. Arya, have a great day. Dr. Anscombe, folks, take care of yourself. David and Les would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. You can email them at david Les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. That's david-less at dynamichealingpodcast.com. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.